time, that we'll be on the same page, that we'll be moving very deliberately together. And these seven values are meant to help us fulfill our purpose kind of mission statement, a mission statement that was written a number of years ago by our our, our elders, our leaders, the kind of the guys that God uses to lead around here. And what we did is we studied dozens and dozens, perhaps hundreds of scriptures. We say, what do these things say, all these verses? And then we, we boiled them all down into this statement so that everything we do, we try to filter it through this biblical statement. And i like us to read it together. It's on the wall behind me. Let's read it together. To exalt Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord... Therefore, in his power, while demonstrating his love, we will reach, teach, and equip people to know, love, and serve him. This is what we want to be about as a church. And these values just speak into this and assist this uh, taking place. And so the seven values, not in any particular order, are the word of God. That's one of the values. Worship, discipleship, giving, missions, community and prayer. And what I did with this prayer one is I decided to actually do three messages on prayer. And so the very first sermon in this series was on prayer, and then the last two, today and next week, are going to be on prayer as well. And we want to bookend this series with prayer. And so the first one was, search me, seven or eight weeks ago, search me. Um, Next week is going to be, send me, the prayer, send me. And this morning, it's the prayer, Break me. It's my opinion that many of our prayers are way, way too safe. These are not safe prayers. There's nothing safe about the prayers search me, break me, send me. They're very biblical prayers, but from a human perspective, they don't seem too safe. And so we're going to look at this idea today of search me, break me, send me, because we don't want to do anything as a church apart from prayer. We want to pray first. We want to be bathed in prayer. We want to be immersed in prayer. We then want to be empowered by the supernatural filling of the Holy Spirit. And so the prayer today is break me. And, And this prayer is just really not consistent with that God will always make my life better version of Christianity. So when we pray, God, would you break me? It's not a safe prayer, however, and this is a big however, that prayer has the potential to open up our life to the work of God in a way that changes us forever because God can be trusted. We serve a good God that has only our best interests in mind. And when we humbly go to him with this invitation, would you break me? He can be trusted with that sort of semi-dangerous prayer. You know, when you read the book, I can't think of a character in the book that is used in significant ways that God doesn't break at some point. So we're going to look at two stories this morning. And if you have your Bible, turn with me to the book of Mark you don't have a Bible, there's Bibles at the back. You can borrow one, or if you don't have one and you'd like one, you can just take it. We will give it to you. Mark is the second book in the New Testament, Mark chapter 14, and we're going to look at two stories found right in that chapter. Mark chapter 14. 
Before I read the verses, let me just set the backdrop a little bit. The first story deals with a lady. And this lady is a prostitute. And in that era, and I'm guessing probably in this era as well, no one wanted to be a prostitute. In that culture at the time that this story uh, took place, generally speaking, prostitutes were hated, they were full of shame, and they were deeply desperate individuals. We don't know why this woman was a prostitute. We don't know what led her to this. It doesn't say in the story, we just know that she was. And so she was doing life, and one day she came across a man who treated her differently than perhaps any other man had ever treated her in her life. This man treated her with honor and with respect and with dignity, and he loved her in a completely appropriate way, and it transformed her. She recognized, like few others around her at that point, who he really was. And because her life had been changed, and because she recognized who she, he was, she wanted to worship him. And she decided, I'm going to worship him in an extravagant way, in a completely self-sacrificing kind of way. And this act of worship was understood by her and the Lord Jesus, who she was worshiping. But everybody else around her was confused by what she was doing. In fact, they were getting after her. And so this is the backdrop of verses 3 through 9 in Mark chapter 14. And I remind you as we read this, that this is the word of the Lord. While he was in Bethany, this is Jesus, reclining at the table in the home of a man known as Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on Jesus' head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, Jesus said. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, and you can always help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. But she did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. I tell you the truth. Wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. We know from a parallel passage in the book of Luke, which is also the story of Jesus' life, that she was a quote-unquote sinful woman, their way of saying she was a prostitute. Jesus is having a meal in the home of Simon the leper, and you just even see, in that little statement there, you see how countercultural Jesus was. In that culture, you had nothing to do with someone who was leprous. If you saw someone that had leprosy coming, they would pick up stones and throw them at them to make them go away. Jesus would befriend people like that, and he would heal them. 
And so they're having a meal, and in that day, um, they didn't sit at tables like we did. They were low tables, and there would be cushions, and you would lean on your left arm always, three people per table, always on your left arm, and you would eat with your right. And even in many cultures today, especially in the Middle East, you don't eat with your left hand. You eat with your right. They're reclining at the table. They're having a meal. People are whispering already because Jesus is having a meal at the home of Simon the leper. They're choked with him for doing this. And in comes this woman whose life has been transformed. And she comes in with this perfume. And the perfume is worth more than a year's wages. Think about how much you make in a year. And in one little bottle, That's how much that perfume cost in that day. Very, very expensive stuff. Ordinary women in that culture would not wear perfume because they could not afford it. In that culture, when you wore that kind of perfume, just put one drop on your cheek. That was your calling card. This was this woman's way of using like a neon light, telling anyone that could smell I am available for the right price. She takes the jar, she breaks the lid off, and she pours it on Jesus' head. This for her is an extravagant, outrageous act of worship. And through this incredibly poignant word picture, she's saying, Jesus, I am giving you my whole life. I've broken this. And it's symbolic of the breaking in my life. And I'm pouring it over your head. And by doing this, I'm sharing that I'm giving you my whole life. This bottle of perfume represents my past. I'm stepping away from my past. And I'm laying down before you my whole economic future. My entire life is laid before you. Leaving my past behind and giving my future away to you. I break it. I pour it out on you. As soon as I read that, I was reminded of a song um, my wife used to do, you know, a lot of solo work, and one of the songs she sang, one of the lines from Steve Green, I believe, Broken and Spilled Out. Beautiful song. That's the first story. The second story is found a little later in the passage in verses 22 through 26. Jesus is moving. He's gone up to Jerusalem. It's the time of the Passion Week and the Passover. And he gets together with his closest friends, his leadership team. The Bible calls them the disciples or the apostles. And they're going to have a Passover meal together. But this one's a little different than before because it's a foreshadowing. It's a prophetic type thing of about what is about to happen. And as they're reclining at these similar kind of tables in a different area, it says in verse 22, while they were eating, Jesus took bread. He gave thanks and he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples saying, take, eat, this is my body. Then Jesus took the cup, gave thanks and offered it to them and they all drank from that. This is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many, Jesus said to them. I tell you the truth, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it anew in the kingdom of God. 
When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And so he says to them, let me give you another word picture. As I break the bread, my body in just a few hours' time will be broken for you. And then he takes the cup and he says, in a few hours' time, my blood will be poured out for you. And what he was saying to them and saying to us is, I am prepared to give everything that I am for you. Everything I have, I'm prepared to have it broken and spilled out, poured out for you. And in a few hours, we know historically, this is exactly what happened. He's betrayed by one of his inner core for 30 pieces of silver. He's arrested on false charge. They pay off people to lie about him. They manufacture outrageous lies because they're threatened by this guy. They're threatened that he's going to uproot their power structure. And then they pull political strings. Even the one that had the power to execute judgment on him said, this guy's totally innocent. And they say to him, if you want to wreck your career and probably lead to your death, let him go. But if you want to go forward, if you want our support with the people, you got to kill him. And so they kill him. He goes to the cross. We're told at the cross that every person's sin, beginning with my sin and your sin, is laid on him. His body is broken. His blood is poured out. He dies, and then in a standalone unique event that history has never known before or since, he rises from the dead. This is the thing that sets Christianity apart from every other thought pattern, philosophy, or religion in the world. And he sheds his blood so we could live. You know, the reality is without Christ... We don't have, if a person is here and they do not have a relationship with Christ, they're broken already. That was the case in my life before I came to Jesus. Broken already without Christ. And it's because the Bible says, it's because of the sinful choices we all make. The wrong things we know we shouldn't do and yet we do, or the things that we don't do that we know we should. And it says that these deliberate acts on our part separate us from holy God. Irreparably separated. Nothing we can do about it. And if, you know, some of us like to pretend we haven't done those things, but let's be honest, we've all done it. Every one of us. And yeah, we might come look pretty good compared to that person over there, but compared to God, we don't cut it. And the Bible says no matter what we do, we can't heal ourselves. We can't, we're broken. We can't glue ourselves together. We can't sew ourselves back together. No matter how hard we try, no matter what we do, there's nothing we can do to restore our brokenness. Jesus allowing himself to be broken and poured out for us put him in the position of being the great physician. And the scriptures say, that the Son of God, that's Jesus, was born without sin. And he had my sin and your sin laid on him. 
He allowed himself to be broken so that the Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so we come to this, this crossroads in life where we, we acknowledge this, where we go, I'm going to humble myself. I'm not going to make excuses. I'm not going to blame someone else. I'm not going to minimize it. I'm going to sincerely own my own stuff and admit my sin. That's really hard for people like us to do. We're proud. But we realize we've done simple things. We, we recognize that we're hopelessly lost. And we ask for forgiveness, not based on anything we've done, but exclusively on what Jesus did for us on the cross. And then, equally important, and one goes with the other, you can't have one without the other, we invite him to be in charge of our life, even though it's a bit mysterious, even though we don't know exactly how it's going to turn out. We say, would you be the Lord? Would you be the leader of my life? And you know, there's people that are here this morning that have never done that. Every week, we have people. I was 10 years old when I got down on my knees and I admitted my sin that I was helpless. I asked Jesus to forgive me and to change my life and to be the Lord of my life. And it's been a grand adventure ever since. It's bumpy at times, but he never walks away from me. Nobody can make this decision for you. You have to make it yourself or reject it yourself. And so I call on you today Come to the cross. Be healed by the broken Jesus. And if you choose to do that, or you have questions about that, come and tell us. Tell the person you came with. And we'll help you get started in your new relationship with Jesus. Or if you have questions, don't, don't leave until you come to talk. This passage is this communion passage, and the communion passage we read is meant for people that have already begun that personal relationship with Jesus, that are a part of the family of God. The scriptures call them a chosen child. You're a chosen child that God has chosen. And so it's for everyone that has a relationship like this. And as well, in a parallel passage in the book of Luke, it's, we're, we're told that we do this in remembrance of him when we come to the communion table. And so when we come to the communion table, we celebrate and we remember, but we also, I believe, at the same time, are being invited by Jesus to follow his example, the example of being broken and poured out, to live as he lived. God calls us to live as Jesus lived, to love as Jesus loved. In fact, it says that we're to to die to ourselves daily, to my agenda and stuff, and pick up our cross and follow him. And so when we come and have communion together, it's this act of beautiful worship, an act of remembrance, an act of celebration, but it's also a willingness to pray a prayer of brokenness and being poured out. Paul says in the book of uh, Philippians and 2 Timothy. He says, I'm poured out like a drink offering for the glory of God. 
So God wants to break us. And I remind you, as I said earlier, He never really uses anyone in the book significantly until He breaks them. God wants to break us. And so it begins for us who are already in the family of God with a prayer like this. I'm just going to call it our broken prayer. And this is just really Christianity 101 type stuff. Just really basic line stuff. But nothing really goes until you cover this off. I'm praying prayers like this. Break my body, Lord. Break my sin. Here's a big one. Break me of me. Break me of me. So that I can serve you, Lord Jesus, with all my life. The woman in Mark chapter 14 breaks the alabaster jar. She pours it on Jesus, and it's deeply symbolic. I'm stepping away from my old former life. I renounce it completely, and I'm giving my entire life going forward to you, Lord Jesus, because I recognize who you are, and I'm committing my life to you today. Let me ask you this question, and it's an individual question. I can't answer it for you. What would be symbolic for you of being broken? For her, it was the alabaster jar. What would be the thing in your life that would be symbolic of being broken by God? Is there a word picture? What for you would be an extravagant, outrageous act of worship? An act of brokenness, an act of being poured out, and an act of worship. See, that's a great place to begin this kind of prayer. By saying to God, here's my heart. Would you show me what that would mean? The first sermon in this little prayer series a number of weeks ago, I, I preached on Search Me, and it's based out of Psalm 139, 23 and 24. Let me read you those verses and just remind you. It says, the psalmist says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. In other words, Lord, I just give you permission to search my heart. And maybe there's nothing you're going to reveal, but, but maybe there is. Search my heart and see if there's anything in my heart that's not pure. Because I'm ready for you to do business with that. Or the next part of the verse is, show me what I'm afraid of. Test my anxious thoughts because what we fear in life really reveals the area of our life where we trust God the least. And then the last part, and see if there's any offensive way in me, then uncover my sins. And this is an extremely vulnerable sort of quote-unquote not safe prayer to pray. But the wonderful thing about our God is He can be trusted with that kind of prayer. That is a broken prayer. Break me of my pride. Break me of my anger. Break me of my self-sufficiency. Break me of my lust. Break me of my impatience. Whatever it is that he puts his finger on. And I'm going to suggest that when God takes us on the journey of breaking us, on the other end of that, there will be rich, rich blessing. 
And we can say, I trust you with this, God, because you are a good God. You are a trustworthy God. You are a God that has my best interest and best heart in mind. This is the kind of church we want to be. The kind of church that Jesus wants to build at UDAC. A church that has high the value of prayerfully being broken and poured out. and lonely and all the thieves will come confess and know that you are holy and know that you are holy Tell it to the masses 
go on and scream it from the mountain. Go on and tell it to the mountain. But he Have a seat for just a moment. Two things. Um, if you'd like to pray with someone, uh, Pastor Brian is actually going to be right up here to my right, your left. And uh, there's a, we always have someone up here every week. We do it rotationally, but you can come. Safe place to pray. Or you can just pray right where you are. That's cool too. And I just want to say, if you're here today and you've never, you've never connected with Jesus in the way we were talking about today, and you have questions, please don't leave till you come talk. Or if you, if you decided, I'm going to go all in with Jesus and pray and receive him the way we talked about, come and tell us. And we'll give you a little gift. We won't put you on a mailing list or something, but it'll just help you start to grow as you get to know Jesus better. Let's pray. Oh, wait, before we pray, I almost forgot. As we're going, there's two sheets on the table there. One we ran out of invitations for you to use to give to your friends last week. There's more on the tables, invitations to bring them to the event tomorrow night. And then there's a full-size sheet with prayer requests that you can pray for here in the next 24 hours as we head into our whoop-up barbecue tomorrow. Okay, now we're going to pray. Let's pray. Father, to be honest with you, it scares us a little bit, <laughs> scares me a bit to pray a prayer like, break me, because we don't know what that's going to mean, um, but we believe you can be trusted. We believe you have our best interests in mind, and so Father, uh, may it begin with me, but each of us, may we have the courage to pray that prayer, and then and by your spirit as you lead us, would you break us in ways that just make a difference for the rest of our life. 
and use us in a way that brings glory to you. So, Father, this is the kind of church we want to be, and it begins in each of our life. We pray these things now in Jesus' precious name. Amen.